In this episode, we discuss the Division Beta, a positive turn for Microsoft's OS, and a Superman Lives documentary. We also review Fantastic Four and debate whether or not The Force Awakens Rey is too overpowered for her own good. All this and more on The Geek Generation. Hey everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host Rob Logan, joined in the studio once again by Paul O. Hello. Hello. We have a lot to talk about this week, as we do all the time. We've been saving up some geek outs and freak outs for you. We got some things to review, and we're going to jump in with our geek outs right now. Yay! Hello. Yeah, so the Division Beta has been out. By the time you hear this, it might be gone, uh, but it's uh, out on Xbox One. Um, it's a lot of what they promised, but it's very limited, so of course, because it's a beta. Sure. Um, I will say that it is it is fun. Uh, it has like those sort of RPG elements to it, mm-hmm. um, you know, collecting loot, developing skills, so on and so forth. The shooting is kind of reminiscent of Gears of War. It's okay, third person, a lot of cover. Taking cover, uh, but it's a little bit more strategy-based. Like it's... It's definitely overwhelming playing as like a single player. Okay. Because sometimes you run into enemies and it's very deceptive. Like it's kind of like uh World of Warcraft or any of like the bigger MMOs where like you can discern, you know, okay, this enemy has this type of color scheme associated with their health bar. So mm-hmm. this person this is like a minor enemy. This okay. is a major enemy. This is an ultra enemy. But in the division, it's like there's two, I think. Oh geez. There's normal and then there's like the elite characters sure. and like in the beginning I was having a problem sorting that out. And I was like encountered, like I was going up against enemies. I was like really far outside of my skill level, even though the numbers were corresponding. Okay. Matching. But I mean, it just takes getting some use to, of course it's the beta, but it's definitely my anxiety level playing this game is very high because if you remember from how the division was described before, uh, there is an, there is an element in which you can sort of backstab your teammates. Yes. Uh, it's called yep. like going rogue. Okay. The rogue, like it, once you go rogue on your team, it marks you on the map as saying that you're a rogue agent. Oh. And so, because conceit, like, so cause, there's, there's a consequence to right. it. Right. Like you, like the whole concept of the game is that you're kind of all working for this one organization. Okay. And so going rogue is kind of turning against the people in your group, which mm-hmm. you are able to do in sort of like cooperative formats. And it's kind of in an effort to, like, take their loot or if you see somebody, you know, like, uh, maybe that you don't like, you team up with them and then you kind of backstab them. Sure. Uh, but it, is, it does raise your anxiety level because there is uh, – so every time you collect loot, you are in danger of losing it okay. if somebody kills you or if you are killed on the field of battle. And so you can call in for an extraction, which is, like, setting up a beacon and having a helicopter come in and, like, take your stuff back oh, to wow. home base. And so, but that's a 45 second or a minute. It feels like, what was it, um, weakest link where you banked your money as you were going through the team? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And so there is that anxiety for that 45 seconds or a minute where you're waiting for the extraction to come. Yeah. And like other people can use your extraction too. So people can like on your team can use your, your extraction to take their loot back to home base. Sure. But I mean, as you can probably imagine, that's like setting up a giant clusterfuck like i mean people could say like 
okay, I'm going to backstab everybody on my team right now and take everybody's loot. Because when I'm everyone's gonna, going to the extraction. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I, or like, you know, extractions are basically like beacons for other people who oh, are like yeah. chronic rogue agents to sure. say like, oh, well, these people are obviously like, you know, like lifting loot out of here. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could just be more efficient with my time and just take their loot instead of trying to kill all these. If you're marked as a rogue agent, are you marked as a rogue agent to everybody or just the ones that you backstabbed? I think because in, I would think doing it once, you're just marked and then. You're marked. I think you're marked for a period of time. Like oh, okay. I only, I only did it once. Yeah. Because I was just like, I need to see what this is like. Yeah. Because this is a new mechanic to me, and so I only did it once and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> I ba- like you're I back- a horrible rogue agent. Like I backstabbed this guy and I tried to take his stuff and then he killed me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's. It's it builds so much anxiety because for that time period you're always thinking like can I trust the people on this team mm-hmm. and presumably you're going to be playing this game with people that you like you know like your friends online right right so like I mean I've already talked to like a couple of my friends and be like you listen we're gonna have to like sign contracts before we start playing because it's like a more involved version of the resistance kind of yeah like it's <laughs> like you part that's part of the fun of the game too like right. the excitement level because you know it does build that anxiety but. I mean, friendships can be ruined. Sure. And I sure. anticipate that they will be <laughs> in a situation like this. So I'm I'm both excited but also concerned yeah. <laughs> for my relationships. But I'm definitely geeking out about it because it's it's fun. Uh it's a shooter that is definitely unique. Uh it's a little bit more like it's post apocalyptic, but it, you also have resources. Okay. So you feel sort of like in the wild, wild west, except in this case, you're in Manhattan during the winter. But um, like the one, the the type of uh, character that I play has like these uh, seeking bombs. Mm-hmm. Like he puts them down on the ground, and you can send them out from behind cover, and they roll out to That's wherever cool. the enemy is and blows up. Nice. There's going to be other classes too. Like there's a healer class, I think, and. Uh, there's one that you can play remotely, like on a tablet. Or I don't. I, I wasn't paying too much attention to. Oh, that. I remember seeing stuff in the video. Like, there's almost a drone that you can control via right. a tablet, like a second screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for the game, but I am also concerned for my relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my second geek out. Um, my apologies in advance because some of my geek outs today are going to be sort of sports related. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? But believe me when I say that they are sort of tied to media and the things that we consume. Okay. And I mean, they are like, for example, okay, so my second geek out is Katie Nolan. She does a show on Fox Sports 1 called Garbage Time with Katie Nolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of her content is on YouTube as well, so you can watch her stuff there. I did watch a, a quick highlight reel of like uh, her chemistry seeking like for a co-host type thing. Right, right, it was right, like right. the intro video for yeah, the channel, yeah. So, I mean, and she has guests come on her show that are you know, sort of in the realm of the things that, you know, the things that geeks like to watch. Michael B. Jordan, I saw Terry Crews, I saw. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, there is some, there's some tie in there. She's very much uh, a versatile host Mm -hmm. in that she can be funny, but if there is a serious issue to be raised, she can address it and she does it quite well. Okay. Um, And, you know, her source material is full of it. Because, you know, she, I mean, she covers sports. Right. And for example, I mean, the, I think one of her breakout videos for me 
was when she handled uh, the Greg Hardy situation. For those not familiar, Greg Hardy is a player for the Dallas Cowboys who is quite talented, but also very problematic. He has okay. a history with domestic violence. So when you say for people that aren't familiar, you're talking to me. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, some people aren't even like sports fans. Oh, yeah, I have, like, I have no idea who it is. Familiar though. with football. But, you know, she dealt with the issue so well. Like, okay. Very much in like the vein of like John Stewart, able to be very funny, but at the same time, if a serious issue arises, she can address it and you are sucked in immediately. Okay. So, I mean, I suggest if you're a fan of Katie Nolan or if you're, you know, a fan of football or sports in general that you follow her on YouTube or on Twitter, um, she's very funny, but she's also very like evocative of that sort of John Stewart comedic yet serious side i I don't know how to exactly put it but sure sure. definitely give her a look um i'm gonna jump around a little bit on the list because the third geek out is sort of tied to sports as well Mm -hmm. uh it's the jonah carey podcast on nerdist network uh for those who aren't familiar jonah carey former grantland writer worker worked at espn currently at the mlb network has been a guest on the nerdist podcast before um, I've probably heard him at some point. He's a uh, he's he's very into like the numbers side of sports, mm-hmm. like a statistician sort of. Okay, thing. sure, I remember that. Yeah, he yep. wrote a book and he he went on the Nerdist podcast and uh, did a uh, show. Um, so he's he's had a podcast that is very sports related, but also tied to like media and journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he only recently moved it over to the Nerdist Network. Uh, his first guest was Chris Hardwick, and they sort of addressed why Chris Hardwick is having a sports podcast on his network. Because as you know, a lot of people who are familiar with Chris Hardwick uh, know. He likes to make the sports ball joke. Right. Yeah. He's, he's very much opposed to sports. Like he grew up a nerd Mm -hmm. and like, you know, every time he shits on sports, people are like, why do you shit on sports? And his sort of response is like, well, it's like the one time I'm doing it as opposed to like the million times I have to hear about football slash baseball or whatever. So, it was strange for the, him to then bring on somebody like Joni Carey, who mm-hmm. talks almost exclusively about sports. And he kind of explains it and is like, well, you know, I kind of opened my eyes to this like other side of sports that we can explore um, through, you know, Joni Carey, who is a journalist first. Um, not necessarily all about sports, even though, you know, a lot of his journalistic content does come from it. Mm-hmm. But I think he does it in a way that's more entertaining. His second guest, which I was just listening to on the way over here, uh, was uh, Keith Olbermann. Okay. Who I think you're familiar with. Um, I've heard the name. Yeah. He's, he's been on, you name it, you name it network. He's been on it. He's been on ESPN, Fox, MSNBC. He's currently, um, sort of off air in a hiatus period, but I think he's going to be moving to like another network soon. Very distinctive voice. If you grew up in the nineties, and you watched anything related to like the Monica Lewinsky scandal, mm-hmm. he was covering it basically. Okay. Um, and very interesting show talks a lot about like sports journalism, journalism in general. They even get into like a little bit of politics and humor. So I would give it a shot because if you're not a sports fan, but you maybe want to dip your toe into it to see what it's all about, mm-hmm. the Joe and Carrie podcast might be a good jumping off point. You can also probably find some of his older stuff online too. So, Definitely geeking out about that. Uh, The third geek out is uh, Top Gear related. So Top Gear, British Top Gear Mm -hmm. show that's been on forever. I think it's like the while it was on in its original format, it was the number one show in the world. I Mm -hmm. think it had like 
unreal numbers, like millions, like across the entire world. Everybody knows who these people are. Jeremy Clarkson, James May, Hammond. Like the show is almost like ubiquitous with like automotive television. Okay. You know Top Gear if you know if if like even if you don't like cars, um, they do. I've heard of Top Gear, but I've never seen or heard of any of the hosts. <laughs> like, well, okay, <laughs> but um, I mean Top Gear, like they, yes, their central focus is cars, but they also do fun things with cars. Okay, like they've done things where they've tried to launch a three wheel car into space using actual rocket technology. Okay, and they almost made it. Wow. Um, they they always do the the hypothetical race between a car and a insert vehicle here okay like they often do it with like boats trains public transportation oh, skiers uh they do a lot of like crazy shit because they have the budget from the bbc that they can just blow it out of the water but recently one of the hosts jeremy clarkson was fired from the show mm-hmm. for punching a a producer i think on the oh, show geez uh, it was just out of frustration and mm-hmm. sort of like a I don't have to take this from you anymore. And so he was fired from the show. And then shortly thereafter, the other two show hosts resigned as a sign of like sort of brotherhood and camaraderie. Sure, sure. And now they have their own show on Amazon, which is going to be streaming through Amazon Prime. Hmm. Um, and so Top Gear, the BBC has been struggling to like put together another show or another group of hosts to host Top Gear because it's kind of like it's still such a popular show that they don't want to give it up. Okay. And so they only recently announced that Matt LeBlanc, I saw that uh, yeah. Joey from Friends, is yeah. going to be uh, one of the hosts for Top Gear, uh, the original incarnation of Top Gear. Now, this is sort of this can be problematic if you only think of Matt LeBlanc as Joey, Joey from, from Friends, Friends. sure. Uh, be, but you know, it, it's come out in recent days or in recent weeks that Matt LeBlanc is a very big gearhead. He's very into cars and motorcycles. He's, I guess, I didn't even know this before, but he was an amateur uh, grand touring driver, which is like a form of racing. Okay. Um, he's very much into like the automotive scene. Um, and so it's, it's promising because, you know, he's done work with British properties before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, in the American adaptation of episodes. Yes. Which is like a, like a sort of comedic drama show that aired on HBO, but also previously on the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has that tie in. I don't know what his chemistry is going to be like with the other hosts because I don't know, really know who the other hosts are. <laughs> when the, the first one that they announced was Chris Evans. I saw that too. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I was like, what? Captain America's going to be on the, <laughs> on top gear. That's going to be awesome. But right. it turns out it's another guy. Who yeah. Yeah. Very much not Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> He's Captain BBC. <laughs> He's very much like Lieutenant BBC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. A lot of people are criticizing it because, I mean, Top Gear UK was so it, it ran for so long in, in its original form. Mm-hmm. It's almost unheard of. Like it's been going almost I think The Simpsons has only been going like three, three years longer. Mm-hmm. Or something. Like it's something ridiculous. Like that kind of TV show doesn't exist anymore. And so many people have so many like dear memories tied to the show that they don't want to see like a new incarnation of it. I'm of the camp. Let's give it a chance. These are people who have a passion for cars and for automotive stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's give them a shot. The creative people are, I think they're all still in place. Okay. It's just the hosts that have left. And so maybe we give it a shot. If it sucks, oh well. But I'm excited. And I, you know, Matt LeBlanc was good. I'm waiting for him to tie in the uh, Porsche joke. 
Oh yeah. The show. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a Porsche. <laughs> uh, and my last geek out is uh, I've talked about it before. The Viceland channel that's going to be tied. Uh, it's going to be on cable TV. It's uh, under the A and E umbrella, uh, and they recently released a trailer for the Action Bronson led show. Fuck, that's delicious. Okay. Um, Action Bronson is a rapper and former chef. Um, he, I think he worked in kitchens for a long time before discovering his talent for rapping. And he's currently like one of the biggest touring acts, um, around the world. Um, like he's, he sells out easily. Like he's very big. Okay. Um, and he's also very physically big, which is kind of, <laughs> but, um, he's like, the show is just I, like, I, I watched it on YouTube as long as it's been on mm-hmm. and it's. Like he, it's it's so strange for somebody to see somebody like him have like this this passion for food and also be able to put it out there in a way that makes you care about it too. Hmm. Like he'll be eating goat in the middle of the desert, and that's not something that's necessarily appealing to me. But the way that he eats and the way that he just talks about it and the way that the show is put out, yeah, makes me want to eat goat in the desert. That's so weird. You know, and it's so weird, but like it's his passion for food and for hip hop is just it's infectious to me at least. And so I'm excited to see him on like a 30 minute format for TV Mm because he's been on YouTube for so long. Um, And I'm excited to see where he goes. He he takes like a couple of his friends along as long as as well as his DJ. I think they just film it while he's on tour. Okay, so like everywhere he goes on tour is like a stop that they have on the show. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. What else are you doing? I'm, I'm excited because I'm a fan of his work. So cool. That's it for me though. All right. My first geek out is, uh, let's stick on the food topic (laughs) by talking about the movie burnt. Mm. This was uh Bradley Cooper's movie that came out um, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of, kind of flashbacks to chef when i was seeing the trailers and stuff and i loved that movie yeah uh that was fantastic i don't know what it is about cooking movies or like these like high stakes chef kitchen things Mm -hmm. that i really enjoy you would think i would watch something like gordon ramsay but i i find that kind of delivery to be assholish uh so i can't i can't sit through that stuff but uh to see to see like the character of a chef who's like that specialized and that good at it and to watch them in the kitchen and to kind of appreciate the pressure of the kitchen environment. Granted, it's never one that I'd want to be a part of, like that whole scene. I think that kind of a scene, that kind of like military approach to stuff is not effective, mm-hmm. even though that's the norm for that world. I don't, I don't, I've never thought that that's like a good environment to be a part of as a human being. Well, I think that's largely tradition or exactly, exactly. But uh, things need to change in, in time. But, uh, that, that being said, the, the performances were awesome. I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, Bradley Cooper is obviously very good in it. It's not all about cooking. It's about ultimately a person's desire to be something more than themselves, to be something great. And then, uh, there's always the struggle of uh, professionalism and your job and career versus mm-hmm. your personal life where right. he's sacrificed pretty much his entire personal life to have this to be this master mm-hmm. of anything in this case cooking, but really anything. And it's a theme we've seen in movies over and over again. But to see it in this world through this lens mm-hmm. is something different. And I thought it was done very, very well. So highly recommend that people watch Burnt. 
it kind of reminded me a little like I didn't see the movie, but I saw the trailers. Like it reminded me sort of like a a movie adaptation of like No Reservations, like the Anthony Bourdain uh, okay. book that he put out. Yep. Um, sort of, not really, but yeah, like it's that whole idea of sacrificing everything or not everything, but sacrificing things that are important to your life mm-hmm. in an effort to become better at the thing that's most important to you. Sure. Like that sure. Sort of balancing act. Um, it's about what's finding out, finding out what is important yeah. through experimentation. Like if you're so tunnel vision on one thing, you don't even leave the option that maybe something else mm-hmm. might be more important to you. Yeah. And that was Bradley Cooper and Sienna Miller. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. First that was the, they were good in uh American sniper. I just saw that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I'm like super far behind. But <laughs> it's it's on demand right now. So yeah, I yeah. I saw that recently. They were good together. So yeah, it's awesome. Uh, my next geek out is Windows 10. Holy crap! I'm geeking out over a Windows operating system. It's been a while. Tell me more. <laughs> Have you not made the upgrade? Um, <laughs> I'm going to make a shocking admission on a geek related TV Uh-oh. show. But um, my current desktop, mm-hmm. which is basically just are you gonna say xp i'm gonna uh, (laughs) uh, pretty close i'm still on vista with uh, computer so and like uh, recently i've been getting like notifications through like like different programs yeah yeah we will no longer be supporting xp and vista i'm like i turn to my wife and i'm like we need to upgrade this computer otherwise it's going away soon yeah but what's your geek at with Windows 10? It's good. Oh, like okay. it's I I always get worried because whenever you change operating systems, I mean it is the the structure, it's the skeleton of your system. Mm-hmm. Like everything else is built upon it. So I had a few fears. I I had the fear that my hardware wouldn't be supported. I had the fear that some of those like third-party kind of smaller programs that I use would not work anymore. Uh, the things that I need. So maybe I could find alternatives, but it's going to take a while. There's always a research and a yeah. growing period. Uh, I also get afraid that the kind of systems that I'm used to, I'm going to have a hard time navigating and learning where the new things are and anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and the nightmare that Windows 8 was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard nothing but bad things about that. I, I don't even want to start talking about Windows 9 because it's just non-existent. <laughs> so uh, that still befuddles me. Like, how do you make that? that yeah. Like, 7, 8, 10. 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their inability to count gave me little confidence yeah. in their products. But I did make the upgrade. Uh, I had gotten a solid state drive for Christmas. Oh, okay. So I replaced that. I put that into my computer, made it kind of my main hard drive and, uh, made my other one as my like media holder. So all my programs and stuff are on 10. I was like, if I'm going to do uh, an experiment and find out if I want Windows 10, this is kind of the right time to do it. I want to do a fresh install of everything anyway. Mm-hmm. Just kind of clean out the junk because yeah. you should do that every few years. Uh, so you install it. The installation was pretty easy. I don't recommend doing it through the software, uh, like a download. They do allow you to go to a website where you can download a disk image and okay. burn it yeah, to yeah, a yeah, DVD. Yeah. Highly recommend you do it that way. The install is way more stable. Uh, I tried doing the download on my laptop, and I ended up kind of junking the system. Oh. Yeah. I I'd got, I'd gotten to a point where it said, like, I started installing. It ran into an error with, like, a video adapter or something, rolled back. But then it rolled back improperly and it said, can't start your system. There's an error. So I went for like, I, I did this at work because I'm an idiot uh-huh. and I didn't, I, it was easy to fix the problem when I got home and got my windows CD uh-huh. and I could 
throw that in there and kind of just do a, an OS repair. Right. And that was fine, but I couldn't use my computer for the rest of the day that yeah, I was at work. Yeah, yeah. So I highly recommend that you get the disk image. It makes it so much more stable to install. It's faster. It's easier. And then you have a Windows 10 disk. Mm -hmm. Should you ever need one, right. you have one. So highly recommend you do that. Also, uh, if you decide you don't like it for any reason, I don't know why you wouldn't. It's pretty much Windows 7 with a different start menu and then a couple arrangement changes here and there. Yeah. But ultimately, it, it does have Cortana, which I turned off <laughs> <laughs> because not because I actually do like voice controlled stuff. Uh -huh. I don't like the provisions. There's a lot of uh, Windows 10 stuff that's kind of privacy invasive. Oh. Like they want feedback. They want data. And one of the things they would get data from is any command I put into Cortana. Mm -hmm. If you use it, gets sent to Microsoft. And I'm like, I don't want them tracking my every mm -hmm. question that I ask Cortana. Right. So I turn like all the tracking stuff off, which disables some things. But I wasn't using any of those in Windows 7 anyway. So right. what's the difference? So my start menu looks a little different. I'm already used to the slight difference. You get the the kind of traditional start menu that you would have in 7. But you also get the tiled system of Windows 8 mm -hmm. like next to it, which you can turn all that off if you don't want it. And if you don't like Windows 10 for any reason, you have 30 days to roll back. It saves your previous OS setup and keeps it on like a partition so you can okay. just jump back to it and delete Windows 10 if you decide you don't like it. Right. So it's not a risk to install. Uh, it's running really well. And yeah, I'm, I'm totally like already on yeah, board with right. it. And it's only been a month. So, okay. well, I mean, I'm at, at the point where like I need to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause so, I mean, it's good to hear a good review. So I'm probably investing that, but yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I was like, I was a little concerned because like Windows 8 did get such a bad, it did bad sort of reception. Um, I, I, like I've, I mean, you know, I've been to like a number of places, you know, using computers that, you know, I don't think I've seen Windows 8 on anything. Like, no, not really. Like, Mostly know. mobile stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Well, definitely going like, to give that a shot because I think right now it's like 90 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next geek out is a documentary that I actually kickstarted or helped kickstart, mm -hmm. uh, which is The Death of Superman Lives What Happened. It actually, uh, as most crowdfunding things do, came a couple years later than expected. That seems to be the norm is whatever the yeah. uh, the estimated releases, you'll get it a year or two later than yeah. that. So uh, just be prepared for those of you doing crowdfunding mm -hmm. things. That's at least been my experience. But. Uh, this was a documentary that was about that Superman movie that was supposed to star Nicolas Cage, mm -hmm. directed by Tim Burton, that just never happened. So there have been so many like leaked pictures and reports and rumors, and Kevin Smith has told stories about it because yeah. he was involved, and other people have refuted and said other things. So there's been a lot of confusion, and ultimately it was really just about what the hell happened, where did this movie come from, what was the intent. Why did it not happen? Why did it fall apart? Uh, John Schnepp is the guy who kind of put it all together, directed it, and uh, it's very well done. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and it gave me a really nice insight into when you see a movie, especially based off of a licensed property, and you ask yourself, how did they fuck this thing up mm -hmm. when they have all this stuff to pull from and they just go in a totally different direction? When you get people like John Peters, Okay. that's how it gets fucked up. All right. People that come in with ideas 
that clearly show they have no understanding of the character or the mm-hmm. world or anything. And they're just like, I want this. I think this is a good idea. And I'm going to get my way because I'm the executive and that's I'm the one in charge of the money. So if you want to make this movie, these right, things right. need to be here. There's the story that Kevin Smith tells all the time and John Peters kind of refused it, but at the same time, totally validated it. It's such a weird, like he speaks in double talk and just, mm-hmm. it's so funny that he's a big part of this documentary. Like if he's watching it back, does he realize how dumb he sounds? <laughs> like how does this man have so many movies under his belt? Right. I realize I'm probably cutting off a huge part of my <laughs> potential Hollywood career in saying this as if I ever had one to begin with. But uh wow, what a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like, like I was saying, Kevin Smith always tells this story about John Peters wanting a big spider in the soup in this Superman movie. He was like, yeah, I want a big spider. And they had it being like a Kryptonian trap beast or some some like weird name. They're like, we'll just make it this thing. And it'll look like a spider. So it'll have some rationale. Uh, the next movie that John Peters did after this was Wild Wild West. Uh, and we saw a big mechanical spider yeah, yeah, yeah. appear. Was, and Kevin Smith goes, oh, dude, got his spider. <laughs> like people are that fixated on one thing that they want to see in a movie. And it doesn't matter what the movie is. Yeah. They're just going to throw it in there. Yeah. So it's it's so funny that there are people like that. And so and again, you ask yourself, how do these people make their way up the ladder when they're that dumb? They're mm-hmm. like, I want to see a movie with a big spider. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care where it ends up. I just want a big spider. Every th- like just now when you just mentioned that, like it made me think of like Donald Trump. Yeah. It's like Donald Trump would just be like, in this next movie, I want to see a spider. Spiders are huge. <laughs> yeah. Spiders are the best thing in movies now. And that's what he sounds like. He says, Sp-, and he, he talks like this in the documentary. He's like, spiders are one of nature's best predators. Like they're a perfect enemy to have in a movie. <laughs> we need a big spider. It's so funny. It's so funny. And he says it so definitively and like, like he's a genius. Uh-huh. Like he's got the inside track. Like, I know shit about spiders and I'm going to put one in a movie because they're so cool. Be like, you sound like a dummy. You sound like a child. Yeah. You're, you're trying to sound smart. Uh-huh. It's not working. No. And you're trying to put a big spider in a Superman movie. Yeah. So you see some of the choices that are made and how they were made. And you go, I understand every bad superhero movie I've ever seen or every bad licensed movie I've ever seen. So from that point of view alone, I highly recommend watching this documentary. Now, let me ask you this. Yes. As a sort of hypothetical Mm -hmm. question. If this movie had gone well, Mm -hmm. what do you think the trajectory of Nicolas Cage's career would have been? Interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of where he was at the time. If I'm remembering this correctly, this came at right around the time. Like it was like, what was it? Early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just after his coming off of like rock, con air. He was hot. Yeah, he was a big action star. And that was kind of like the beginning of sort of superhero movies. Sure, sure. And I mean, super the Superman property at that point had not been so fully developed as well developed as it is now. Right, right. So like it was prior to Superman Returns, but after the Christopher Reeve movies. But and you and you think about it at that time, Nicolas Cage didn't have the same cult following that he has now. Mm -hmm. Now he's celebrated for being just like this like actor that will take any role right and right. he's just bad at everything and it's almost to the point where it's just like that is his sort of that is his thing but 
had he done well in this movie and yeah. had this movie been successful, what do you think the tra- trajectory of his career would have been? Would he been would he have been the same guy he is now? From what I saw about that movie, I think he'd be on the same trajectory. Really? Like I don't think it would have done him any good or necessarily any harm. Hmm. Like it's so weird. Okay. That people would have I think I'm trying to think of another movie that was like this where it's called one thing, mm-hmm. but it had very little to do with the source material. Hmm. So it was very much not a Superman movie? It didn't feel like one. Like, they borrowed some things from the canon, but not enough and not enough uh of what makes Superman Superman to really have it be the Superman we know. Like, mm-hmm. they borrowed elements of the costume and there were they they had a version of the traditional costume in there that looked pretty good uh even though people always look at there's this other one that's like a bubble neon whatever that was just his regeneration pod suit like he wasn't going to be moving around in that Mm -hmm. that's what everyone speculated that that was going to be his superman costume but in reality he was going to be in a pod after he was killed quote unquote killed by doomsday and laying there and regenerating. That wasn't even to be used like for that much motion. Mm-hmm. So that was, and it was actually, it looked really cool. Like they talked about how they made it and everything. And it, it was, it was pretty impressive, the suit mm-hmm. itself. Um, but one of the things they were going like way back to old school Superman, like they're like, no flying, no flying. You can't relate to that. So he was going to jump like the Hulk. Oh. And the the original version of Superman, that's what he did. He leapt over tall buildings in a single right. bound. Right. They were going to go back to that. Okay. So, like, little things like that. It's like, well, yeah, you can go back to that. Yeah, it was a part of the character, but we're moving forward. Like, it's that's... Not, yeah. You're just taking random things that Superman had and saying, oh, let's, we'll use that. That was Superman. Yeah, Superman is like the god mode superhero. Right? Yeah. He yeah. has to be able to do all the things you expect him to do and not kind of revert to that original form i mean the only reason i ask is because you think about all the people nowadays who have benefited from doing well in like a superhero movie mm-hmm. robert downey jr kind of being like the case study sure sure he was sort of like he wasn't i wouldn't say he was hot coming into iron man mm-hmm. um i think he was just kind of coming off of his like hollywood forgiveness tour of, yeah you know him being like in rehab in and out of rehab and sort of like hollywood's bad boy and then he pulls off this amazing performance and is now like, you know, one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, most respected. Like, yeah. Just, I mean, you see the trajectory of his career after Iron Man and it's mm-hmm. just like, amazing. well, I think the big difference is that Iron Man was a fantastic movie. Yeah. This was going to be a train wreck. No. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think it would have done him any favors, <laughs> but yeah. overall, uh, a very interesting documentary. Death of Superman lives. What happened? Check it out. Lastly, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, it was announced that Supergirl and The Flash will be having a crossover episode. I believe the episode is set to air in March, I think in like the third or fourth week of March. Um, very cool that they're bringing these together, especially when for so long they were like, no way. Different mm-hmm. networks. There's yeah. no way this is ever going to happen. Yeah. But now they're really making kind of a cohesive universe on the TV side. Uh, I don't know if bringing John Constantine was a catalyst to that mm-hmm. because it was uh, he was on NBC, NBC uh, and then potentially sci fi, which ended up not happening. But 
granted his show was off the air when this happened so it's easier to do that Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure nbc would have still had the license for that character yeah and would have had to allow him to show up there um but you can't leave money on the table like this is huge for both this is the cw's top rated show it probably doesn't get as good ratings as supergirl just because supergirl's on cbs but getting flash some exposure on cbs is pretty huge and then supergirl gets the benefit of having like the popularity from the flash going over that like that that whole universe there's a universe of people watching right. this stuff over there i mean there's definitely skeptics on both sides that i think could benefit from seeing a crossover show sure um and can i just say the press photos that they did for this were fucking adorable they were absolutely <laughs> it was like it was like a pottery barn abercrombie and fitch yeah. sort of like just like bright lights and although they like, weren't for this announcement necessarily yeah because yeah, yeah. he still has the red emblem on this is for when supergirl was first announced this was like a feature on berlanti yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. and so they were but they're like together and they're all smiling and i was just like oh my god it's just like fucking there's some where he's like in a running stance and she's got her arm up and yeah saccharine sweet just like oh they're super cute it makes way more sense for the flash to cross over than arrow to cross over that's a a tough world (laughs) to jam together (laughs) arrow crossing over to supergirl is like marilyn manson showing up in a manson video yeah yeah yeah. or Hanson video sorry my one fear and it's it's kind of one of my issues with Supergirl right now and it's not a new issue because I had some of these issues with Arrow as well just in the same vein that Arrow borrowed a lot of Batman's storylines mm-hmm. because apparently he doesn't have his own source material yeah. even though there's years of it uh, Supergirl who maybe has even more source material than Green Arrow has been borrowing too many Superman storylines yeah. so they did the whole Bizarro thing recently mm-hmm. um, I believe it aired last week or is airing soon uh, there's a Superman storyline called For the Man Who Has Everything. They teased it at the end of the Bizarro episode when we saw mm-hmm. Starro kind of show up yeah, as yeah. like this pod on, I don't think most people know what that is, yeah. but I was like, oh, it's freaking Starro. So there's a storyline for the man who has everything where she's going to probably end up being on Krypton and reliving like almost a virtual reality world. Yeah. This is a, stup- a Superman storyline, mm-hmm. but it's like, come on, like, Leave that stuff for other things like Supergirl is her own hero. And I think we were just saying before, like all this Superman stuff, we need Supergirl to be Supergirl and to be her own thing and not borrow all these things. And so my fear is that the crossover episode is going to be the stereotypical what happens when you see Superman and Flash together. They race. Mm-hmm. To see who the fastest is. Yeah. Granted, we all know the answer to that. Right. Is the Flash. Yeah. That's his frigging power. Right. <laughs> so if Superman were faster than him, then what the hell is the Flash for? What's his point? Yeah. yeah. So if if they do that, like they do the whole charity race and they race, I'll be a little disappointed because I want to see something new. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think I can I can definitely imagine uh, like somebody gave, giving notes on Supergirl and saying we need to tie in storylines from that are more familiar Mm -hmm. like if you talk about like if you go to even like your average comic book reader and you say who are you more familiar with superman or supergirl yeah 99 percent of people are going to say superman yeah of course Uh, and so maybe they they want to tie in some of like the more familiar storylines first i mean this is the first season right it is like it is maybe they're still trying to build up the viewership even among people who respect comic books and read comic books so you know I can definitely see that being a note in, you know, like the initial phases of mm-hmm. development saying that we need this to be more like Superman than Supergirl, at least for the time being. Sure. Um, you know, time will only tell if that is the case. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, you know, Supergirl can be her own character mm-hmm. and you can develop superhero sort of so like quote unquote tropes around Supergirl. Right, right. Because, you know, she is she can be unique. She's not necessarily just a Superman clone. Sure. So but I, I, I can definitely see them trying to develop a fan base first and then kind of going outside of that and seeing how it works developing Supergirl as her mm. own character. Weird as it might sound, like I don't I it seems like they are aiming it at the the comic book audience, but I don't think this is a show for the comic book audience. Yeah. Like it's it's more of a mainstream show, which is why I feel they don't need those storylines. Mm. Maybe those storylines are there to pull in the comic book audience. Uh, but we're there already. If we're, it's a Supergirl show, we've already started watching. We don't need the familiar storylines. I don't think, like, it feels yeah. condescending to me to use bit. those. Yeah. So I think they just need to treat it as original. And I don't know, like, we're, we're gonna be there. They can do original storylines for the, the mainstream. And that's, yeah. No, I, I see I'm what like, you're <laughs> I'm talking myself into a corner. No, I see what you're saying. You're saying you, you, like you want a Supergirl show for people who are fans of the genre, mm-hmm. but I mean that that's where the, the difficulty lies in developing a show that on a major network like CBS. I don't know. Is it a tentpole show for that particular day of the week? Uh, like I don't. I don't know actually. I don't know what else is on. Yeah, I don't know. Time, but I, I know uh, nothing about actual like air times or yeah. anything because I don't watch like that anymore. So I mean, I don't know. Like maybe it's. I honestly, I just think it's a strategic move to like develop a fan base. But, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? If anything, that's the point of the Flash crossing over. Yeah, is the comic book fans who maybe didn't give it that much of a try or saw it and were like, "Oh, it's not for me necessarily." Yeah, maybe they're like, "Oh, Flash is coming." Okay, it's part of that universe, mm-hmm. so now I'm a part of that show. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, that's the end of our geekouts. Yeah, so let's jump yeah. into freakouts. Oh, freakout! Um, I'm fucking sick of politics. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Me too. Like, I mean, the Republican debates, I mean, there's been like one a week. Um, it's just all over social media. Mm-hmm. It's all people are talking about. I mean, everyone from like the, your, you know, Joe Schmo, who's just saying that Donald Trump is stupid to like the, the town criers, I like to call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. The people on social media who are like, look at this thing about Bernie Sanders. He's the best fucking candidate. This Donald Trump. Like, yeah. Like, it reveals so much about who your friends are. Yeah. It's funny. But it's just so fucking annoying. Like, it's been going on for so long. And the election isn't even for another year. No. Like, I mean, or not another year. But, it all you know, feels like white noise. Yeah. It's just, there's so much of it. And like, there's only so much. I mean, even SNL yesterday, or, mm-hmm. you know, this past week, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders was on SNL with, oh, Larry, really? with Larry David. Jeez. Because, you know, the speculation is that Larry David and Bernie Sanders are the same person, sure, sure. so to speak. But, um, I mean, I think Bernie Sanders is doing a smart thing by appealing to the younger audience. But by appealing to that younger audience, he is also annoying the shit out of me. Yeah. Because like so many people, like my friends are like sharing things on social media or like sharing articles that are talking about the candidates. I'm just like over it. Like the the Republican debates, it's just people yelling at each other. Donald Trump is just being a giant asshole and like everybody else is just trying to compete. And it's like even like even some of like the low points are just like just. Oh, like there's that one clip where Jeb Bush was doing a town hall style meeting. Okay. And he like 
just talking about his campaign and this is what he plans to do. No one claps. And he says, please clap. And then everybody just kind of like half-heartedly is like applauding him. And it's just like, it hurts so much to see something like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm so sick of politics. Like, fuck it, you know? (sighs) I'm just so... I used to enjoy the parody, Mm -hmm. but now it feels like they're the same. Yeah, there's so much of it. I mean... I don't blame like comedians and people who make videos and like improv troops for like using politics mm-hmm. as like uh as fodder for their for their material but it like after a while it just gets to the point where you're just like I'm sick of it like totally I, agree I'm just waiting to just put somebody in office at this point and move to Canada cuz <laughs> I don't care anymore yeah like and some people take it so seriously too, and they just get so offended when you don't take it seriously. It just seems like a whole huge waste of time. Like people will say that about geek culture sometimes. Mm-hmm. They'll say like, "Oh, your comic books and your cartoons and your movies are just a huge waste of time." Well, I think it's like the exact same thing for this for this for politics right now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so oversaturated, and people are talking about it every day. Geek culture affects my life more than politics does. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. Yeah, and it's it, like the the politics end of it is just a huge waste of time. I have never seen a giant shift in really anything in our country, regardless of who our president is. So yeah. why do we all care about it so much? I mean, I think there are giant shifts that do occur, but the nature of politics is that it it changes incrementally. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for a, like for somebody in the seat in a seat like the presidency. Like it take it's like moving an iceberg. Yeah. It takes time. It will eventually move, but that person needs eight years, you know, mm-hmm. two terms. The maximum amount of time he's allowed in office yeah. to make something. And then happen. someone might just push it back the other way. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like, what's the point? I mean, you know, people who are similarly situated are probably not as affected as, you know, other people are. Mm-hmm. People on the extreme ends of the spectrum are the ones that feel the change. <laughs> right, right. They're obviously you know, they're the ones that the policies most directly affect. But the people who are kind of towards the middle, mm-hmm. the people with presumably the louder voices and the more, and more of the opinions mm-hmm. are the ones who are kind of like, well, how does this affect me? Exactly. So, but I mean, yeah, politics and social media, enough. Like, I'm done. It's like seeing too many trailers for a superhero movie. Yeah. And just being like, I just want to see the fucking movie. I'm done <laughs> yeah. with this shit. Yeah, like, I'll just done. make it happen. Uh, my second geek out or freak out, sorry, is uh, Destiny. I've talked about Destiny a hundred times on this show yeah. because it's the only game I play uh, and it's starting to not be the only game I play. Like um, I used to keep up with the weekly resets. So like doing the raid and doing like uh, things that you can only do once a week. OK, I used to keep up with that weekly. And uh, last couple of weeks, I've just kind of fallen off and like I'm fucking done. It's so boring. There's like. I mean, there's they've tried to introduce new content since the drop since they dropped the last expansion, mm-hmm. but it's been so lackluster. Like there was the sort of Mario Kart racing thing that they the event that they had for like a couple of weeks. Okay, and it was so like inconsequential. It was the worst part of the game. The fucking traveling. It was the worst part of the game, and they they built a giant event around it. Oh no! And they expected people to be like satisfied with that, and it's like. And now with Valentine's Day coming out, they have like a Valentine's Day event. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to be like World of Warcraft when they're yeah, not yeah, World yeah. of Warcraft. Yeah. World of Warcraft used to do that a lot, but they also had substantial backbone content that was driving players through the expansion. Okay. Like it wasn't like 
people were finishing like okay so in destiny there's a there's a raid called king's fall it's a big long event Mm -hmm. or a big long uh instance where you team up with five other people and you fight bosses and you get loot presumably in an mmo these raids are supposed to be difficult uh they take a long period of time Mm -hmm. and uh oftentimes people don't get through it in like a week or two i got through the raid with a bunch of people that i didn't know whose skill level i couldn't verify Mm -hmm. in the first week wow it was not hard at all and so after that it was just the process of repeating getting gear and getting to the point where I was satisfied with the character at that point, I was just like this game. So there's a lot of grinding going on. Yeah. It's just a lot of grinding and it's not a lot of reward. Yeah. And I was just kind of like over it. Like, like a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, you know, maybe I'll watch TV or something or I'll, I, I've, I've gone back to Diablo to like oh, wow. play a new character. Yeah. And build up a uh, crusader. And it's just like, it, it's over. I think, you know, they they had this whole like ten year plan. Yeah, know, yeah. That leaked last year, and it was just like, well, I, I think I'm out. <laughs> Honestly, like unless you guys come up with like new content that will keep me attached to the game. You have a ten year plan. I'm not a part of it. Yeah, if that ten year plan doesn't come next week, I might not be here. For right, me, right. I mean, like there, there's just. I mean, we've talked about it before. There's so much stuff out there to consume. There is, yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to make your thing really appetizing for you, people to. You have to be like specialized, and you also have to be like quick mm-hmm. with what you do. Otherwise, it, like I mean, it's kind of like a spoiled kid's mentality. Like it has to be quick, it has to be good, and it has to be here now, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. But I mean, you kind of have to do that in this market. And I mean, uh, recently Destiny's CEO or Bungie CEO stepped down. Yeah, I saw and that. Their chief operating officer stepped up as, as the new CEO. I don't know if that's an indication of things to come. Um, it just kind of feels like they've stopped investing money in Destiny and are moving on to other projects. Hmm. Of course, when you consider that their their overlord company is EA. Yeah, yeah. It's kind they're of, cashing out. Yeah, they're yeah. done. So. Kind of disappointed, but I guess I'm ready to move on. Oh, <laughs> it's like we're breaking up. It's I so know. weird. Right? Oh my god, it's like I'm breaking up with, the, with my Destiny game. That's so fucking we weird. had a 10 year plan. I was looking forward to all the things we were gonna do together. Oh, it's not gonna happen now. It was it's not like the Notebook. <laughs> Why are you doing? <laughs> oh boy all right i am uh freaking out over a couple things first of which and i'm sure you've seen this too uh i notice it a lot on instagram i notice it a lot on twitter other celebrities trying to be george takei and it's basically when i say that they're not trying to get on a star trek series or anything uh-huh. uh but george takei was a genius about making his social media like an aggregate system Mm -hmm. and build a whole separate business and empire on how you run social media. Yeah. At least what, from what I've known, he's been like the most successful at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now other people are trying to do that. So I see people on Instagram, like, uh, the biggest of the people I follow, the one most guilty of it is Sarah Underwood who shares Mm -hmm. like all this viral video content as if that's why I'm following her. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not why people still below the comments will apparently is doing something because they'll tag their friends and stuff. And Mm -hmm. and especially when they're like tag someone who does this. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm out. (laughs) Like, or like when every post is an advertisement or even if it's with them in it, they're holding a thing and they're, but this is the thing you should be buying. It's like, come on. 
Yeah. There, I think it's funny too when people leave comments that are like, knock it off or, yeah. or we're going elsewhere. Yeah. So, and there, and I've seen it from multiple people. It becomes their Facebook or their whatever. And I have no problem with you having a huge audience and using it once in a while to do a product placement. But like when it's every damn day, mm-hmm. that's too much. Yeah. I, I like, I, I, I too follow Sarah Underwood. And I figured you would. So, and I yeah. too, <laughs> Uh, don't necessarily care about the media content that she posts. Yeah. Unless it's a picture of her. That's why I follow. That, that's exactly why I follow. And I think she knows that. Yeah. But she's also trying to integrate other content. Like, it's not even her own content. Like, I think, like, when it comes to Sarah Underwood specifically, mm-hmm. you know, she posts stuff from, like, uh, First Slice, which I think is, it's a YouTube channel for one. I know that. Okay. But it's, like, kind of like a media hub sort of site where you go for like interesting stories and mm. like viral videos and things like that. Like, like I, I don't care. No, me like, neither. Like I, like that stuff. Is, like I would follow that if I wanted to see that and stuff. Like four out of five times. It's like three days after somebody else has already posted. Yeah. And it reminds me of the whole controversy with the, and this is going to sound hateful, but the guy who calls himself the fat Jew, like the, yeah, yeah, that the whole comedian Jew. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, he names himself that. That's not me saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, he, he had all the controversy of not tagging like the source and stuff. Mm-hmm. So how, why are people not knowing that and not doing the same? Yeah. Like you should be tagging the things that you're getting it Recording from. Like source or yeah. something. Yeah. And like if she's going to do product placement, like do one here and then do a couple of product placements. No problem. But if you had like your own supplement company or something and you're doing stuff for that, it, it might still be annoying to do plugs all the time. But at the same time, like you're mm-hmm. building your own thing and, oh, that's your thing. I'll support your thing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the thing that you're being paid to support. But if I'm a fan of you and you made a thing, then I'm more likely to use that thing. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's too much to me, though. Yeah. I, I think I've seen um, like Kevin Hart does something similar too, mm-hmm. like on his Facebook uh, page. He does something similar to George Decay, but it's strange. Like to me, George Takei, he has a following, but he kind of garnered, he garnered more of a following through social media. Mm-hmm. People saw how clever he was and the stuff that he was posting and like his advocacy for like LBGT rights and like his Broadway show. And yeah. Stuff. Like people like were drawn to that through the social sure, media. Sure. Sure. People who are fans of Kevin Hart, like they're already a fan. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't a fan through his social media. They were a fan through his comedy. Right. So, but then, in on Kevin Hart's Facebook page, they he's like posting all these like links that are, are you know arguably the most recent one is like two or three days old. Yeah, like they're not fresh. They're not like you know at the moment, but they're like I mean like why are you doing it? It's not this isn't garnering you any like further fan base. This right. is just kind of like I don't know what you're doing. I think that's the biggest separating factor. I think you nailed it. Is that it depends on how those fans got to your social media in the yeah. first place. Like we all know what we're getting when we're following George Takei. Mm-hmm. A lot of people going there for that because Star Trek was so many years ago that yeah. now he's a social media guy. Yeah. But if you're following someone else, you're a fan of that person, not necessarily what they do on social media. That's not why you're a fan of them. Right. You, you actually just want kind of the insight of your, of your life. Yeah. Like that's, that's why you're following him. Like Sarah Underwood just announced that she created a personal account separate from her other account. Oh, okay. And I think I'm like, well, I'm going to hop over the personal account then. Yeah. She's like, there'll be less TNA over there and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like yeah. I'm, I'm just, 
a fan of the the stuff. Maybe there'll not be advertisements over yeah. there. Like I'm kind of like I I know what you're talking about when like people use their Instagram account to like promote like a thing. Yeah, know? and it's not subtle. Like it's like check out my skinny bunny tee. Look at it propped right between my tits. Mm-hmm. And I I'm I'm sort of okay with that because I I'm seeing what I'm there to see. Yep. But at the same time, I am like when you see it like four or four, four or five times in a row through your feed, be it whatever source it comes from. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna drink skinny buddy tea. Yeah, or exactly. Take your fat burner weight loss supplement. <laughs> yeah. Or drink whatever that protein powder crap that you're trying to sell. You know, like or whiten my teeth. And I just learned this today as a side note. Skinny bunny tea is actually just like laxative tea. <laughs> like I didn't know that. Like I thought there was some sort of like like fat burner or like the caffeine was. Yeah, like, yeah. like no, it's just it just makes people poop. So like in the future, of course you're gonna lose weight <laughs> when you see like a hot girl drinking skinny bunny tea. Know that she poops. Yeah. <laughs> there is no just mistake. imagine pooping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next one is sadly into the badlands. Oh no. Yeah. I, um, it's not because of the show itself. I love the show. It's Uh a great show, but the first season was only six episodes. Mm. And I was like, what? That's it? Yeah. Really? Like, I'm sure it's probably a fairly expensive show to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I I watch some stuff on BBC. Like I watch Doctor Who and that's not six episodes. Mm -hmm. That's really short. Yeah. Kind of shows you how much faith that the network had in the show to begin with. Yeah. But, I mean, it did well, from what I remember. I hope we're getting more. Yeah. I mean, I think Daniel Wu is, or he said that there's going to be season two in social media somewhere. I like the world that they set up. I like the characters. I'm invested. Like, And I didn't know it was going to be that short. That was the other problem. Mm -hmm. Had I known it was only six episodes, I would have gone on like gone in with that mentality but it feels like we did so little already like i'm still learning about people yeah and the way that they kind of ended this season too is like i mean they're they're definitely going places and they've left it so that the world can be expanded Mm -hmm. readily like sure sure we're, we're going in different directions with all the main characters let's go let's let's do this and let's bring it all around you know it seems like there could be like a five season plan Mm -hmm. you know going forward but um yeah it's it's definitely a unique show it's there's nothing like it on tv no there really isn't it's definitely a totally different thing but yeah i agree and six episodes is kind of short very short i was super bummed by that yeah but I mean, when when you're complaining that you just want more of something, if that's your worst complaint, yeah. I guess it's uh, things are not that bad. They're not that bad. Yeah. Uh, my last geek out, or geek out, I did it too. Yeah. <laughs> my last freak out is something that I've talked about before, and this is kind of a revisiting of this because it's almost getting worse. Uh, it, it's this little thing uh, that I say about procedurals called the character actor did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally, I was talking about Elementary. It's probably the only procedural I watch right now. Mm-hmm. And within the first two scenes of any episode, because we watch so many movies and TV shows and things like that, and we have a a wide knowledge of these different characters within the first two scenes, I can say that's the guilty party. Yeah, because that's the that's the big actor Mm -hmm. or the person that I recognize from the other thing. Uh, Oddly enough, the uh, one of the girls from Into the Badlands 
the one who plays the widow's I forget her character's name the, the widow's main, daughter the main daughter yeah, yeah yeah she was in it and as a very cool character too mm-hmm. and um she was the guilty party like I recognized yeah. her right away and it's every single episode but it's getting worse mm. because now I'm starting to recognize them in the intro credits <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching an episode uh recently and they had Noah Bean on from Nikita. Uh-huh. And as soon as I saw Noah Bean, and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, I haven't even seen him on screen yet, and I know he's the guilty party. Mm-hmm. What the hell? It's not like it said guest starring, or maybe it did, but I don't remember. I just, I, I, and I normally don't look at intro credits for that reason. Like, I don't like knowing that a certain character is going to be in an episode that I wasn't expecting because yeah. then the surprise is gone. Uh, and that happened in, like lost all the time like Mm -hmm. a a certain character would be coming back and i was like damn it damn it damn it like i saw the intro credits so i used to try to like hide the bottom of the screen (laughs) i feel like i'm gonna have to start doing that with elementary because i'm seeing names now and i'm like damn like the whole thing's ruined yeah i mean i i watch maybe more procedural tv than you do just because it's like it turns my brain off you know Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day so it's very easy watching um i mean it happens all the time and like Hawaii Five O and you know Blue Bloods. I, it, I I sound like a seventy year old man at this point, uh, but you know it happens all the time. You know you see the guy in the yeah. beginning of the show. He that's the guy. Like you, all you're waiting for is how he did it. At first, I tried convincing myself it was either the uh, uh, the person who was the uh, murderer or it was the victim, the eventual victim, uh-huh. and then I just was like, no, it's the murder every yeah. time. <laughs> I'm I'm pleasantly surprised though. Like once in a while. There will be something that, mm. you know, like a sh- like an episode of a show comes out and like it's the person that you think it's going to be. But no, it's like the lesser known, like other characters. I wish actor. they would do that more in elementary. Like they do that on that. I think I mentioned it before. Major crimes. Like they do that once in a while. Yeah. Like because because it's a crime procedural show and it's like a whodunit. So like they have to sort of there's all these clues that the show drops. And yeah. So, you know, sometimes they'll lead you in the direction of one guy when it's actually the other guy. I want them to start using what I know against me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And really like throwing curveballs and right. being like, Oh, you thought it was this person. Cause you recognize him, but it's not. Yeah. Average Joe thinks it's this guy. Yep. But when in fact it was his twin brother. <laughs> and then you're like, fuck you. <laughs> like it's still the same actor. Same you... fucking guy. You asshole. Damn it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, minor complaints. I still like the show. So yeah. whatever. All right. Uh, we are at about an hour right now, but there's a couple things I'd still like to do before we get out of here. Uh, I have a quick review that I want to do because I've been holding on to it for a while. I finally saw fantastic four. Uh, mm-hmm. we brought it up a little bit last time. We chatted and uh, I'll give you a few <laughs> a few opinions on the movie. So hopefully you never have to watch it. <laughs> I knew right away that it was going to suck <laughs> when <laughs> and, and, and I'd, I'd gotten some knowledge about the movie prior to watching it, obviously, because of what we do here uh-huh. and you hear about things. So the original cut of the movie was two hours and 20 minutes long. The final cut is an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Knew it was going to suck. Right. As they get into the most interesting part of the movie where you'd normally see their reactions to like what they've become and how they learn to adapt and learn to use their powers. That's always like the super fun part of the origin story that happens in like any superhero movie. Uh, It cuts away and it says one year later. No, no. And it jumps past. So like they get back from their alternate dimension, like Uh Johnny Storm's on the table, like on fire and he can't control it. And like. They're all freaking out and Reed's like falling apart because he's getting all stretchy and uh-huh. Ben's in 
like tortured because he's a rock person now and he can't cope with it. And then you get one year later. So I'm like, what? <laughs> There's no character development. No, yeah. zero, zero. Uh, then you return to a group that's already experienced using their powers and a government guy explaining what they can do. Um, there's not one shot of Johnny being like, oh, my God, I can fly. Uh-huh. Like he can just fly because that would have been way too much fun for this movie. <laughs> like Johnny being excited because he can fly like, holy shit, I'm on fire all the time. But then, oh, my God, I can fly. Yeah. Like you get the counterbalance. Yeah. Granted, you can turn off the fire and stuff. Uh, the thing who's normally part of the comic relief is so damn depressing. Mm. The whole, he's just like, I'm a rock person and I don't like it. <laughs> and, and like him and Johnny having that great relationship yeah. that we know. Ha! Forget about that. Um, remember that cool looking scene that was in every trailer where the thing drops down from a plane and starts smashing tanks? Uh-huh. Gone. Really? It's not in the movie. So there's, there's a, a part where that's happening. And it's on a monitor in the background as like the team's out on missions. Why? That's like the cool part. That's yeah. Like the money shot. The yeah. things you want to see. Yeah. And it was in every damn trailer. Yeah. That whole sequence is missing from the movie. <sighs> it's not there. And, and when I say it's on a monitor in the background, yeah, you like pan by it. Oh, no. And you see it just in that like greenish like <laughs> haze of a monitor. Uh-huh. Uh, the final battle and pretty much the only action scene in the movie takes place during the last 15 minutes of the movie and it's terrible oh no and presumably they're fighting doom Doom, and it makes no sense and doom's powers make no sense Mm -hmm. and uh you can see all the reshoots because kate mara has normal blondish hair through most of the movie but in all the reshoots she has a platinum blonde wig on that's kind of messy (laughs) yeah that's just sloppy like why can't you match the hair color like that, that? It's so obvious. Like, not only is her hair a different color, but it's a different texture because it's a terrible wig. What? <laughs> a cosplayer can fucking fix that. Why yeah. can't a Hollywood? That doesn't make any sense to me. That None whatsoever. Shows, that just shows that they didn't give a fuck. They didn't. That's not at all. Insane. So all the things that would have been interesting mm-hmm. were in that one year later thing. Because mm-hmm. that's where they cut about 50 minutes of the movie, apparently. Yeah. And then garbage at the end. That's terrible because that, like, even the original, like, the original, but, you know, like, the mm-hmm. 2000s Fast or Fast and Furious, <laughs> the 2000s Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, yeah. They even showed some of that character development, like how they adapted to their powers. Those were works of art compared to this. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. This was really bad. And they managed to take, like we were saying before, four fantastic, no pun intended, actors Mm -hmm. and give them nothing, nothing to work with. I feel bad for every single person in that movie. Thank God Michael B. Jordan had Creed after that. Mm -hmm. I wish Miles Teller had Whiplash after instead of before, Mm -hmm. because I feel like you're only as good as the last thing you do sometimes. And Miles Teller is coming off of that. Uh, Jamie Bell is great. Although, does he do mostly like voice stuff? I feel like I don't see him in enough things. He's, I don't think he's in any leading roles, but he's definitely in supporting. Yeah. And Kate Mar is wonderful. Yeah. I adore her. So every single one of them garbage, completely wasted. And again, at no fault of their own, they did everything they could with the material they were given. Yeah. And it is just junk. That's terrible. Yep. 
Oh, man. That like, is possibly the most scathing review you'll ever hear on this show. But And funny enough, that's probably not the worst review of this movie. No, like, probably not. It, I mean, a lot of people, it just bad reception across the board. I don't think it was positive at all. I think Rotten Tomatoes was like in the teens. Yeah. Like it was just not good. Um, and that's a waste. I mean. Terrible waste of I mean, characters like i'm not a huge fantastic four fan to begin with yeah they're kind of on the duller side for me right uh but the things that make them interesting we're all missing yeah. every single one <sighs> that's terrible it's a shame it's a big shame maybe we should just stop making fantastic four movies <laughs> says the guy who's never made a fantastic four movie yes but i mean the royal way maybe you know just like we, as in the rest of the universe, should just stop making Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. Just let it revert back to Marvel. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. That's the only advice we can give. Okay, that's the only review I have this week. We do have one more thing to do. Uh, I know it's probably been like helicopters flying overhead. Who cares, right? Uh, they're they're like, here to get me. <laughs> they said, what about the Fantastic Four? <laughs> So it's been a while since Force Awakens came out. I'm sure everybody's heard everything at this point and everything's been beaten to death. But there are a couple things that have been like living in my brain while we haven't been recording that I was like, they need to get out of here. <laughs> so we need to do it. So we're going into spoiler territory. If you haven't seen The Force Awakens by now. Shame on you. Like this podcast is synonymous with right. the, uh, like uh, what? 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 So. Uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen The Force Awakens yet, this is the end of the episode for you. Go away, come back later, unless you just don't care, then you can listen. But we're hopping into the spoiler room because we have more things to say. Access, Access granted. Welcome. So there are articles all over the place uh, that have Easter eggs and references in The Force Awakens. Some we knew about kind of directly after because we recorded the episode pretty quickly yeah. after we saw it and it didn't give us enough time to even get all the Easter eggs. Like I saw it three times and there were things that I still mm -hmm. didn't pick up on until I read about them elsewhere. And then one on, on one of the reviewings that I saw, I was like, oh, yeah, that thing and that thing and that thing. So it was cool. So I'm going to give you a few Easter eggs, maybe things that are kind of direct uh, or just kind of references to other movies. For one, Maz Kanata's flags. Outside of her castle, uh -huh. you can see Boba Fett's Mandalorian flag there. Yeah, that, that symbol. That's cool. And the flag of the 501st Legion, oh, really? which is the the well-known kind of stormtrooper charity organization. Right. Yeah, yeah. That is also on there, which is awesome. Yeah. I love that. Uh, the Raptors chasing Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Remind you of anything? I think I talked about it before, but they just to me, they just look like vaginas with teeth. True. But. But there was something I noticed about it when I watched it the first time, and I kind of forgot to put a note in. It's a recreation of Indy running from the big boulder. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Even, like, the kind of shot they use is very similar. Yeah. And when they're coming down that yeah, hallway, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. So that was cool. liked that. Uh, on the Millennium Falcon, Finn can be seen quickly picking up and tossing aside the remote training ball that Luke used for lightsaber practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just kind of, whoop, whoop, to the side. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, there's a resistance officer often seen near Princess Leia who seems to be wearing a version of Leia's old hair buns. Oh, that's your daughter. It is. The actress playing the role is Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's real life yeah. daughter. Not Leia's daughter, but 
right. <laughs> Carrie Fisher's daughter, because then we'd be messing with canon so much. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, in every Star Wars movie, and if you've listened to Random Movie Club, you hear us talk about this when we talk about Star Wars movies. In every Star Wars movie, someone utters the line, I've got a bad feeling about this. Han says it here as he hears the rumble of the raptors getting loose. Mm-hmm. So he said it in Empire Strikes Back as well, but yeah. also repeats it here. Uh, so those are the, the Easter eggs and references, but this all leads into the thing that I really want to talk about, which is uh, maybe a month or so at this point. So again, this is probably beating a dead horse and it's gone around the internet so much. And I think it's all been resolved at this point, but I have my own thoughts because right. I just feel like I have to talk about it. Uh, at one point, Max Landis, who I've said I'm a huge fan of, um, I love his movies. He's a fantastic writer, but I'm more so a fan of just the way his brain works and his personality. And his understanding of story mm-hmm. and how to properly tell a story. Cause he's a writer mm-hmm. and he's a good writer. He's a good, uh, storyteller and he understands storytelling as an art form and a structure and a way to affect people's emotions. So he was not a huge fan of Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but as he says in what we're going to listen to, uh, that doesn't mean that anyone else shouldn't like it. He's not trying to convince you that. It's not a good movie or that mm-hmm. you shouldn't like it. That's just his opinion and you can take your own away. But he got in trouble on the Internet a while ago for saying that Ray is a Mary Sue and a Mary Sue for people who don't know. And he, I believe in the clip, I might have edited out the part where he said to Google it. But a Mary Sue is generally a character in fan fiction where they kind of uh, represent you being inserted into the material. And generally, a Mary Sue is overpowered. They, they're able to do things that make the characters you're familiar with kind of look up to them or show them respect or whatever because they have these like overachieving abilities. Right. So, uh, Mary Sue is generally good at everything and they're, uh, some sort of avatar for the audience. Uh-huh. And it could be argued that Ray is a Mary Sue in that sense. Mm-hmm. She's, she has all these like super things that she's good at right. that make the other characters go, Oh my God, like you're good at this thing and that I'm good at. We accept you. So granted, this is not fan fiction, which you could say disqualifies her as being a Mary Sue right away. But at the same time, you could also say this is fan fiction. They're just making it into movies because George Lucas isn't doing it anymore and someone else is doing it. So arguments aside, the ultimate argument is, is Ray overpowered and is that bad for storytelling? Mm -hmm. So I, uh, Max put out an explanation after he put those tweets out saying that Ray was a Mary Sue. He got attacked for being a sexist. And I think a lot of that is just because Ray is a girl. Uh-huh. But uh, he put out like a six minute video explaining his point, And I edited it down a bit. Uh, I didn't take out any of the important stuff there. I took out some coughs and maybe like him reiterating a point. But all the main things are here so that I didn't adjust his message in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so listen to this and then uh, we'll have a, a bit of a discussion about what he said. A Mary Sue is a character who's too good at stuff. And Ray is a character who's too good at stuff. And it was really funny because I called her a Mary Stew online and people were like, you're sexist. And it was like, are you fucking kidding? She's never in danger. She's in danger once. She Kylo goes like that and she gets frozen and he kidnaps her. And then she just easily overpowers him with the force. Just keep in mind, this is a character who was raised on this planet, apparently alone. She's... A great mechanic who can fix the Millennium Falcon in ways Han Solo can't. Han Solo immediately loves her. She can fly the Millennium Falcon despite apparently never having flown 
a ship like it before. She's an expert combatant. Keep in mind, Finn rushes to save her, and she just beats up those two guys easily, which is fine, which is like a cool moment. Except that's the whole movie. She beats up everyone who tries to fuck with her. And like you can say, like, oh, it's a strong female character, but that's not what a strong female character is. A strong female character is not a character who's physically strong. Princess Leia is a strong female character. Princess Leia, you can say all you want about her being put in a bikini, but the reason that works is because she's so fucking tough. And like in the first movie, I watched New Hope recently. I couldn't believe it. She just kicks ass with the threat of everyone on a planet dying. She still doesn't give up the Rebel Alliance. She's awesome. Strong means well-drawn. And you can say that Rey has like some repressed memories in the past, but they don't matter. It's not real. It's not, I don't know what they are. So you can say, oh, it's part of a trilogy, but that's not the way movies work. That's the way TV shows work. This isn't like Lord of the Rings where there are three books. We have to take it on faith that these movies will explain everything. And that's not good enough. Ray is able to defeat an expert, or at least not an expert, but a well-trained by Luke Skywalker and Snoke force user within seconds of getting a lightsaber. She's able to pull a lightsaber to her that Luke took two movies to do that. And you can say Luke is a Mary Sue or Gary Sue, but he's not. Luke fucking sucks. That's why he's a great character. In the first movie, he can't do shit. He can't do shit. He gets saved by Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Tusken Raiders. Then he gets saved in the bar by Obi-Wan Kenobi again from those creepy guys. Then on the, on the fucking Death Star, he gets saved by Han Solo and then Princess Leia and then R2-D2. You know what would have happened if it was Rey? She would have beaten the guys up in the bar. She would have beaten up the Tusken Raiders. And by the way, this keeps going. He gets saved by Han from the Wampa. Then he goes and he gets saved by Leia from falling to his death after fighting Darth Vader. Then in the final movie, he fucks up Han's capture or rescue. And he gets saved again by R2-D2. I mean, and then at the end of the movie, he fails. He wins by losing to be saved by his father. Ray didn't have this because she didn't have stakes. Everything she did worked. That's not a cool character. That's John fucking Cena. And if you can't see that because it's a, if it's a woman or, or, or it's a new character, so it's different. If you can't see that she didn't have stakes and never got hurt, I don't know what to tell you. You feel differently about it than me. It was just frustrating. A janitor was able to almost defeat a force user in a lightsaber fight. There's so much to say. But if you love the movie, you love the movie. This was just one thing that bothered me because someone said I was sexist. And it was like, you can't call these characters thin because of their gender or race. It's not fair. It's not fair. Lando Calrissian in his tiny role in Empire, has more depth and character and confusion than Finn in his entire lead role in Force Awakens. If you like The Force Awakens, good. I don't hate you for it, and I'm not trying to change your mind. But it's something to think about. I find that very interesting. 
I I can see where the line is, and I know why. I can speculate as to why people got offended. Mm-hmm. I can be understanding of the people who were offended by his comments because, you know, for so long people were waiting for like a strong female character mm-hmm. and for the Star Wars franchise to introduce one of their leads as a young female who is good at what. But she But those does. are people that are looking solely at gender and not character. Exactly. Right. Like they're not. They're not maybe not as well versed in storytelling mm-hmm. as Max Landis is. I understand his arguments for developing a strong character. I understand his arguments as to why Luke is good because mm-hmm. he sucks. Yeah, like, yeah, I understand that because I like I. He has a huge arc. I can recall that from the movies, and I and it kind of what makes him relatable is that you know he's this guy who is new to this thing called the Force, mm-hmm. and he sucks at it for two and a half movies. Yeah. And I get that because I've sucked at things that I've tried to do <laughs> sure. for extended periods of time. Yeah, before. Yeah. You know, nobody's that adept and I get it. But I also understand the perspective of people wanting to have a flawless image of a strong female character. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare criticize my strong female character because we have so few. Right, right. Um, like, you know, don't don't throw any shade at Ray just because you think that her character development is flawed. Mm-hmm. People are putting Ray on a pedestal mm-hmm. and not necessarily thinking about the broader issue of storytelling. Sure. I mean, you can literally break this down based on where people are. Max Landis is in Hollywood. Yeah. His business is writing, yeah. storytelling. The person, the people or the persons who are offended by this are probably not in that industry. Probably not. Uh, they might have... You know, like I, they probably have kids, mm-hmm. most likely a daughter, and that is why they're offended by it because they have people that they care for that mm-hmm. look up to this character, and so they defend the character almost as if it's their own daughter or their sure, own. Sure, sure. They like why are you taking away my daughter's role model, right? And at the and the same time, like he's released subsequent things since, mm-hmm. like because that video got shit too, and he was like. I'm not taking away anything from anyone. If you love Ray, nothing I say is going to change that. Yeah. So love Ray. Go ahead. I'm just saying from a storytelling standpoint, this was maybe not the best choice to make. Right. And it it touched on a few things in the movie that I had issues with, some of which I realized actively and others were like, when you get that, I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what's off with that until somebody told me (laughs) someone a little smarter than me. Um, so like one of the things is we're so afraid of the damsel in distress trope at this point that we go too far in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And I saw a couple instances in the movie of that. One of which is the fact that Ray is overpowered. That is not something that I actively noticed watching this movie, mm-hmm. but the two instances that did seem odd to me. And I think we talked about it during uh, the initial spoiler room episode is the force mind trick scene. Mm-hmm. That is not good for many reasons. One, because it just it doesn't work yeah. in the scene. And I completely agree with Max. And this is something that I also said coming out of it is that I'm not taking on faith that they will explain this. Yeah. If they're not telling me now and they're not going to resolve it in this movie. And yes, I understand movies are evolving and changing, too. And you're getting trilogies and we're supposed to know that there's more coming. But as a movie lover. I need movies to stand on their own Mm -hmm. and I don't want to wait till the next movie to be told 
why something in this movie worked. I don't want to wait till Batman v Superman to justify the destruction that Man of Steel did. Right. When that was horrible. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the other, and I think this really illustrates how afraid of the damsel in distress thing we are when Finn and Ray are running, uh, on, on Jakku and, uh, she keeps, or he keeps grabbing her hand, which is an action hero trope. Do that once and she pulls her hand away. Fine. Do it again. And why do you keep grabbing my hand is shoving Ever. it down our throat. Yeah. As in this girl is not a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. You can do it once and get your point across and have it work way better than doing it multiple times. Yeah. So things like that. And, and again, people, like you said, uh, you can see why people are uh, uh, upset by this. And Max said it as well. Because someone is a different gender or a different race does not make them immune to criticism. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a white male that says something about uh, the way a character is written that has nothing to do with their gender or race, they do not get a free pass because they're not a white male. If this was Luke Skywalker, nobody would have said a thing. And I think that's ultimately his point. Like, there's two different things going on here. There's the is Ray overpowered and not a well-written character and do, are we overprotecting minorities? Uh-huh. Well, I think the argument is more nuanced than simply saying, Oh, you're criticizing my strong female lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're a sexist. Right. Like the argument is more nuanced than that. It's not necessarily that he's criticizing her because she's a strong female lead. He's criticizing the storytelling aspect right. of having right. an overpowered character. I mean, just think about it like this. I mean, like, what if Goku could go Super Saiyan straight out the gate? Right. What's the point then? What is the point? Right. Like, I mean, anime suffers from that a lot where, you know, you have a character who just continually gets better mm-hmm. to address the storytelling problems. And that's, I mean, you know, that's problematic. Like, it's a reason why you stop watching. Mm-hmm. I understand. Like, it's so the, the thing that comes to mind when it comes to like the whole sexist brand is um, not the brand, but, you know, like the, the, the sort of scarlet letter of sure, sexism sure. is especially when it comes to the force awakens is how uh, I think it was like a board game or something that didn't release a Ray didn't figurine. include Ray. You're a hundred percent correct. They, and that wasn't the only instance. There was tons of stuff that Ray should have been in right. and wasn't. And in that particular instance, I think the reason why I think it was Hasbro. They said the reason why they didn't release the Ray figurine was because of spoilers or something like that. They were, they planned to release the Ray figurine later. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't release it when they dropped the game to start. Right. And then people criticized them for including Darth Vader right. when Vader was not really a part of this movie. And they were like, well, this isn't just a Force Awakens game. Right. This is a, a Star Wars Star universe Wars. game. Right. And that kind of forced Hasbro's hand and they subsequently right. I See, I side with the people who said that Rey should have been in the game. Yeah. She should have been in the game. Yeah. For sure. How, how did people not know she was the main character? Right. That's a bullshit argument. But that's a... That's a example of a concrete instance where, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect like it's not an opinion mm-hmm. whether or not Ray was a main character. She was a main character. Yeah. She the main been, character. She should have been released with the, with a product that was meant to promote or is part of the movie. Right. Right. Or is part of the franchise. In this situation, Max Landis is making an opinion or he's putting out an opinion about a character. Yeah. Just because that opinion is about, or it could, you know, it could impact a sensitive issue Mm -hmm. is 
maybe like a micro trigger for some people. Sure. I mean, it's not necessarily that Max Landis is being sexist. He's just making an informed opinion about the character and a formed opinion that he's entitled to make because he's actually in that industry. Right. Right. Um, you know, it like, it's like if somebody came to me and was like, um, like I need an attorney. Um, I feel like I was discriminated against at work mm-hmm. and I feel like I can win my case. That, I mean, you're kind of, you're not in the industry. You maybe not be, you're maybe not as informed as you need to be. Mm-hmm. Your opinion, while it does matter to me as your prospective attorney, is not necessarily the final argument. Right. It right. is one among many. Let me evaluate, you know, where we go from here. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a bad example because now I'm lost in thought. But, <laughs> uh, like, what I'm saying is that, you know, Max Landis is somebody who's in that industry. He's informed. He is, you know, presumably professional in that industry. Mm hmm allow him to have an opinion one among many i'm sure right and of- do you think people are extra critical on him then i don't know if this is maybe what you're like i'm getting some of your argument but not entirely all of it are you saying that because he's in hollywood people view his opinion more heavily than they would the average person like because he's someone that can influence mm-hmm. hollywood characters then maybe he should be building strong female characters, which I think he does. Mm-hmm. American Ultra certainly had one. Yeah. Uh, but I think his opinion carries more weight because of his expertise mm-hmm. in it. And so, you know, maybe, I, I mean, it, the, the objection to his opinion can run the gamut from being a simple trigger that somebody just immediately right, right. thought was sexist mm-hmm. to somebody who maybe does understand the nuanced nature of his argument, right. but nevertheless thinks that he, as a professional in that industry, should be advocating for something that is that is dearly lacking, namely strong female characters, sure, regardless sure. of the flaws in storytelling. Um, I doubt it was that end of the spectrum. I'm more... I'm more thinking that it was somebody on the less nuanced end of the spectrum yeah. who just thought it was a trigger. Oh, I guarantee you the people that are calling him sexists are people who just see him without, criticizing a female character. Without much of a rationale. Yeah, whatsoever. yeah, with like none. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's – I think people have to think about it first and not just jump to conclusions and label it as sexist. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it is a – I don't think this situation this situation is an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Um I think I don't think you should take this as something that in the future is applicable to race or to gender and gender in general. Mm-hmm. Um this is a nuanced argument that is a specific case of okay. making the argument based on storytelling. Okay. Okay. So I mean I mean if you ask me to pick a side I mean I would say that Max Landis is is entitled to his opinion yeah this is an opinion yeah oh absolutely yeah so it's funny too we're taking this in a whole different direction than i even initially like proposed it for like (laughs) my argument was whether or not ray is overpowered initially like we're going into the whole sexism thing and i'm like i mean you want to talk about that too uh i thought yeah she was a little overpowered yeah you can explain that later by saying, uh, you know, like some people are speculating that she might have been one of Luke's students. Right. Which and, is probably true. And, you know, that that will make the case for her being overpowered. She's already developed to a certain degree. And are and, you OK with that? Or do you feel like that needs to be if it's represented in this movie, we need a little more than just, well, we might cover that later. Uh, I'm OK with it as long as they explain it. 
because I think a lot of the like a lot of the speculation about like Ray's parentage mm-hmm. or you know about her history is attempting to explain the fact that she is so attuned to the force. Sure. Um, you know, I've read so many theories about who's Ray, yeah, who Ray's I know, parents right? are. And like the the one that I think explains her power level at the point of the Force Awakens mm-hmm. is probably it makes the most sense in my mind. It's that she is Obi-Wan's granddaughter. Oh. So Obi-Wan Interesting. After after um between episode three and four, mm-hmm. kind of falls off the wagon of being a celibate Jedi. Sure. Uh, has a relationship and has a daughter by way of some woman. Mm-hmm. And that person is attuned to the Force. That person later encounters Luke mm-hmm. after he's become sort of, you know, after he's developed his Jedi powers. Right. And they have a kid, and that's Ray. So Obi-Wan's granddaughter luke's daughter that's interesting melding the two sort of you know strands of dna that are powerful with the force Mm -hmm. kind of explains it a little bit but also i mean like kylo says it in the movies like you need a teacher right i can teach you right right that's part of the force you you're not just like you're not just powerful from the drop Mm -hmm. like you learn that you have force powers and then you have to be taught that was, exactly. That's kind of like the whole thing, the trope with like potential doesn't just develop itself. Right. You needed to vet, you need someone to help you develop it. Yeah. So then it becomes an issue of, well, maybe she was a student. Yeah. Yeah. In the school. Maybe somebody else taught her, you know, not all the Jedi died. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. The The big problem that I had with Ray and trying to figure out her parentage as a re- as a explanation for her overpoweredness was that is it, she's not like 30 years old is she she's like a young adult yeah right yeah and wasn't there like 30 years between return of the jedi yeah. and force awakens yep. so for her to be like for her to be even luke's child she would have to be at least like well it depends when he had kids yeah which yeah. we don't know well, anyway, is she overpowered? Yes. Yeah. But I think there are ways to explain that away. But like and they said, will. They probably will. But like you said, you know, like you want it to be covered in the moment. Like yeah. In the story yeah. that you're telling, not necessarily in the future. Like A New Hope, which this borrows heavily from. Mm-hmm. We've said that before. Uh, there was no hint at Vader being Luke's dad mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Unless until they brought it up later. So if they had given ray like i don't know i just i just really want to drop the mind the jedi mind trick scene like everything Mm -hmm. else i was okay with yeah but the jedi mind trick scene i was like wait what because that's that's a skill that's a highly developed skill no you don't accidentally do that on instinct even if you were taught as a child right that's a skill like a high level yeah that's not like kid skill the only the only people that we've seen do it are obi-wan right basically and bygone if you and what in your brain made you go oh maybe this will work Mm -hmm. like what what prior knowledge yeah in your universe would suggest that was even a possibility yeah now do you think ray can be redeemed by depowering her over the course of a movie i do so like say like episode eight i don't even think they need to depower her they need to they need to give her a bigger challenge. Okay. It's it's the same idea with any character. Like, if this is our baseline, 
then we need to create a challenge comparable to that baseline to where it is a challenge. Because I never like stepping backward. Uh-huh. I would rather they just move forward at this point and give her a challenge worthy of her needing further development. Well, I mean, if if the, then in that case, you can justify race power level by saying, well, uh, she might be, you know, very force sensitive mm-hmm. and her challenge will come later on when Kylo completes his training. So sure, sure. Like, right. Or, I mean, she could ultimately be the one that fights Snoke. Yeah. Or there could be something else. I mean, the, like Darth Maul is still out there, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, I, like people were like, like, after, Robo legs. Yeah. Like, after Force Awakens, they were talking about like Darth Maul in the animated universe mm-hmm. and how they could conceivably bring him back. They could. Like, I mean, he's still out there. And, you know, we don't know if there's other like First Order slash right, right. Inquisitor slash Sith out there. So, you know, she could encounter challenges. But, I mean, that, I don't, know if that addresses max landis's concern because his concern is sort of in the moment right right which is also mine i mean i i i'm and just to so people like know i still love this movie like we're we're going into geeky criticisms because that's what we do but ultimately i love the movie because of the way it made me feel Mm -hmm. you can forgive plot holes when a movie makes you feel a certain way I still think when when I do eventually release my top 10 list of the movies of the year, pretty sure it's going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can definitively say that Ray catching the lightsaber, granted, maybe she shouldn't have had that ability yet, but still movie moment of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Like there was no moment in a movie that made me stand up and cheer metaphorically as much as that. I was like, fuck, yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I love the movie. This is all. This is all kind of me working out <laughs> no, I think verbally all the things that I'm thinking about. It. It's your love for the material that makes you want to talk about it. Yeah, totally. And we've already praised it endlessly. So, I mean, the next natural step is to say, well, what didn't you like about it? Yeah. And, you know, it's. I think people are afraid to do that yeah, for a while. Like, I mean, if you love something, you love it for everything that it is. And this movie is one of those things mm-hmm. where you want to look at even its flaws and think, how can this be better? Or how can I somehow get my head around it so that I don't it doesn't affect me later on because mm-hmm. you know, that can affect you later on if you're watching the next movie or totally. something and like you don't like the way it's going because of that one thing in the last movie. So you're coping. Yeah. It's a way of coping. Yeah. <laughs> your love for something. We're getting else. way deep in this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to go like so far in the direction of like the argument that he's sexist. Like I thought, I mean, that's just an issue to address, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's I like I don't know. It's just to me like if you are if you have a cohesive argument, you shouldn't be making it in that case because the argument on Max Landis's side is so more much more nuanced that it's not about sex, it's about storytelling. Exactly. And he said it like a thousand times in that one clip yeah, we just played like yeah. why aren't people listening? I, that's okay. it's shocking to me that some people just ignore the things that are said directly to them. Yeah. I mean, like if somebody wants to like like I'm failing to see it maybe, but you know, if there's an argument for him being sexist, that is, that does involve the nuanced argument that he's making. It was all based on the one 
Twitter thing of him calling her Mary Sue. That's yeah. It's fucking Twitter, man. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's a dumb. It's a dumb thing to call him sexist. If everybody on Twitter was a professional, this world would be a fucking mess. I know, right? (laughs) That is for sure. Yeah. I feel like we should wrap this thing up. (laughs) All right. Final thoughts or something you would like to plug? Um, you know, the usual go to thegeekgeneration.com, use the Amazon link, support us through Patreon, continue to listen, you know, leave us a review on iTunes. Hell yeah. You know, let us know what you think. We haven't uh, gotten a review on iTunes in over a year. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like if you're a new listener, you know, just take a minute to say this podcast is great or this podcast sucks. Yeah. You know, Honest whatever. opinions. Any, anything will help at this point. So, you know, just let us know what you think and, uh, thank you so much for listening. For everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails with your feedback to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back really soon with more geeky stuff for you. We'll see you then. Later. Make it so.